I was invited to speak on hearing God in the stillness. Um, and I'm particularly going to be um, talking and inviting us to think about stillness in the place of prayer this morning. And I don't want to, uh, I'm not going to bring Coles to Newcastle, I hope, this morning, because we've all heard so many times the importance of getting away to pray, as Jesus did, leaving the hurry and the busyness, finding the quiet place with God, perhaps in the early morning. And so just as a little reminder that quietness and stillness played such a part in Jesus' very active life. And he modelled that on the ancestors in the faith. And, of course, there are many encounters with God that our ancestors in the faith had in out-of-the-way places. You only have to think of Moses in the wilderness at the burning bush, Samuel in the night, there he was alone and he heard a voice. Famously, Elijah after Mount Carmel when he ran away fearing for his life. And as we've all heard so many times, God was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake or the fire, but he spoke in a still, small voice or a whisper. Or one translation says, a gentle blowing, Elijah. Then there's Daniel, who in exile prayed at his window three times a day in Babylon. And these are all our fathers and mothers in the faith that we've learned from. In the Bible, they were all part of faith communities where there was a pattern of both corporate and public worship, we might call it gathered worship, and there was a pattern of private prayer. And the book of Psalms, or the Psalter, which I think is a beautiful old-fashioned word for the book of Psalms, um, the Psalter was the prayer book for our ancestors in the faith. And it was the prayer book that Jesus used. They're prayer poems to be prayed when we're together and when we're apart. And they were learned. They were learned by the Jewish scholars. They were learned by the people who were praying them. And, of course, they give us insights into all the aspects of prayer. Thanksgiving, worship, petition, lament, and repentance. They even give us insights into postures of prayer. Standing, kneeling, lying down, prostrate. And um, over the last few months, in fact, since last July, I've been praying through the Psalms. I realized it was something I'd never done chronologically. And with the help of uh, Walter Brueggemann's commentary, um, it's been wonderful to enter the world of the Psalms. And it's a kind of a world that takes you by surprise because one minute... You're wailing and crying and and shouting at God. And the next moment, you're in the quiet. One moment, you're singing out praises. And the next moment, you're kneeling in repentance, 
It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful prayer book. And since the Bible was finished and throughout the history of the church, these patterns of prayer have continued. I don't think we talk very much in our church about how traditions of prayer have happened in, in the years since the Bible. But prayer involves words sometimes, and sometimes it involves silence. If you think about the sophisticated liturgy in some churches that has been crafted over hundreds of years, lots and lots of words that express what we're feeling to God. And then if you think of the Quakers or the Orthodox contemplatives, the Eastern Orthodox, they use no words at all. The Desert Fathers in Egypt contemplated in, in, the, in, the, in the face of God, if you like. And in our tradition, in, in, in our church and in our tradition, we are much more familiar with spontaneous prayers, aren't we? As we've heard this morning, praying out exactly what we feel in our hearts, exactly what we feel God is giving us to pray. But what we have when we look at prayer as a whole in the church throughout the centuries and then in the Old Testament, a pattern emerges that is rich and varied and creative and honest and full of life. And it takes place together when we are together. It takes place when we're together And it takes place when we're apart. It involves speaking. And it involves singing. And it involves shouting. It involves silence and stillness. It involves waiting and listening. But the most important thing, it's all about our relationship with God. And today, I'm after that kind of little little travel through prayer, we're going to be looking at stillness. And if you want to follow the psalm I'm going to read, I'm going to read Psalm 131. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quietened myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. And I'm going to focus on that verse too. But I have calmed and quietened myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. 
And this is a beautiful picture of a child snuggled, just like Rollo is snuggled into Joan's shoulder at the moment. A picture of a child snuggled into the shoulder of its mother, satisfied and peaceful. The nursing child, the child still feeding on the milk from its mother, fusses and frets and cries. Those of you who've been mums will know this. Until you feed them at the breast. But the psalmist has chosen the picture of the weaned child, the child who is not fed by his mother anymore. And in Hebrew culture, this child would have been about three years old. They kept feeding their babies until they were toddlers. And so the weaned child is an interesting choice of images. It's not a child who's after the milk. It's a child who just wants to snuggle in his mother's arms for comfort because he's loved. Of course, that's the picture of the perfect three-year-old. But imagine the perfect three-year-old, calm and quiet. Maybe that afternoon nap time. Maybe just before bedtime. I think that's the picture that we have here that David is giving us. And in this psalm of David, he's saying that he, he has calmed and quietened himself. He has perhaps gone to a quiet place, excuse me, but not necessarily. Most importantly, He's talking here about going to a quiet inner place. I know that it is genuinely difficult for some, but I think the easiest part of spending uh, time with God in a quiet place is actually finding the time and the place to do it. That's the easy thing. Finding a quiet place finding the time. We mainly don't do it because we want to fill our time with other things, but that's the easy bit. We can draw aside perhaps to a a special corner of a room, to a church, or to somewhere outdoors. Um, Sarah Noble was sharing a couple of weeks ago that she goes to a, a special tree up at Punchbowl, up at the Punchbowl when she wants to be quiet. I love, and I, I don't want to tell you all about this, don't tell anyone else, I, because I don't want you all there. I love going to Lynchmere Church. It's the most beautiful place to sit in the grounds overlooking the valley. No, you are welcome there. And then I go inside and I kneel in, in the quiet and the darkness. And we've all got our favourite places that we can go, maybe a comfortable chair in our houses. And I live alone, so actually it is easier for me to find a quiet place and to pull myself away from people. But the more difficult part is what this psalm is about, calming and quietening our minds so that we hear and feel the heartbeat of God. 
maybe hear his gentle voice. Henry Nouwen has said this, Our lives often seem like overpacked suitcases, bursting at the seams. In fact, we are almost always aware of being behind schedule. There is a nagging sense that there are unfinished tasks, unfulfilled promises, unrealised proposals. There is always something else that we should have remembered, done or said. don't know if you identify with that. I certainly does. As soon as I get in the place of quiet, my mind begins to run riot. I have talked about this before, so you're having a little insight into my mind again. My mind reminds me of my to-do list. I immediately think about that. Things that actually I'd forgotten until that very moment when I decided to spend time with God. My mind suggests you'd be better off spending time with so-and-so rather than the quiet. Haven't you? You didn't you haven't had coffee with her for ages, have you? I think about my tax return. Most of the time, I don't think about my tax return. When I come into the quiet, there it is. Must do my tax return. I think about preparing for work, making a phone call, seeing if anybody's put some new news on Facebook. And my mind comes up with all sorts of urgent suggestions because it suddenly found an empty space to to bring them to my attention. And actually more than those things, it's also our fears and our anxieties that come to the surface as well. And, And in people's prayers this morning, I feel that that has already been mentioned. Another psalm speaks of quietness in the midst of tumult. So if you want to flick over, I'm going to read Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And until verse 9, all around there is tumult and there is anxiety. Although we have been pointed towards God, haven't we? The river 
whose streams make glad the city of God. It's a psalm about disorder, chaos and war, but it points us towards God. God who makes wars cease. And of course the next line of the psalm is this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Other translations um, have translated be still with these words. Stop. Stop striving. Stop fighting. Stop fretting. I wonder which one speaks into our mind this morning. Which one do we need to say to ourselves? As David said, I have calmed and quietened my soul. Which one is God saying to us? Stop fretting, Elaine. Stop striving. And this is about our inner selves coming to a place of quiet, coming to a place of trust in the Father's arms. Some of us avoid silence and stillness because it frightens us. I have a friend who always has the radio on and she herself has said it's not just a habit, it's to keep the anxiety and the panic from overwhelming her. Another voice in the room is what she can concentrate on. Some of us avoid silence and stillness because we feel it's not productive. We're people of action. Why would we sit still? Why would we be silent when God wants us being active? So we avoid it. Some of us avoid silence and stillness by saying it's an indulgence. Another friend of mine, a mother and a grandmother, felt that booking a retreat for herself was a selfish thing to do. So she didn't do it. And some of us avoid silence and stillness because we can't control what happens in it. It involves being quiet and letting go. Yet, it is God who beckons us into the silence and the stillness. For he knows that if we linger there, if we say to our voices of distraction and worry, be quiet, be still, they will eventually shut up. They will. We'll become aware of the presence and the nearness of God. It's not emptiness that awaits us when we go into silence. It is God in the stillness and the silence. I'm reminded of the story of the disciples when they were in the boat with Jesus during the storm. 
It's an obvious story for this subject, isn't it? There Jesus is asleep in the boat when a terrible storm brews up. A furious squall, the NIV says. It's out of control, like my mind sometimes, like your mind. The disciples are frightened and they wake Jesus up. And this is what it says. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. I wonder if we had Psalm 46 in mind. The disciples, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The disciples were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And our two psalms echo that. Shh, hush, be quiet, stop raging, relax in my arms. And I think it is in the place of quiet prayer that often things that we've known in our heads for so long drop into our hearts. Our relationship with God is not about knowing about God. It's about knowing him. And in that quiet place, it gives the opportunity for things we've known for so long to become real. It's a place not of striving, not looking for outcomes, but simply being with God. This is something that David, um, David Wright was talking about a few Sundays ago, having a posture of being in the presence of God. That's what we're called to do. In that place of being held by God where he says, be still and know me. Be still and be loved by me. And I have no idea what else God may whisper to you in that quiet place. I don't know what you may need to hear today. It's a place of surrender and openness. It's a place of intimacy and receiving. And even if it's just that hug, that holding of Psalm 131, to be held by God, to know that love, So what we're going to do as I close now, we're just going to have some moments in quietness. I'm going to lead us into that quietness. Just so that we can be still before God this morning. Um, 
Sometimes I feel it's really important that we don't just hear a teaching, but we, we do it. Our lives are just about living them, aren't they? Doing it. So let's, let's practice. So you might like to close your eyes. <coughs> you might like to sit in a relaxed position, maybe both of your feet side by side on the floor. Hands resting gently in your lap. Just comfortable. And as you sit there, just become aware of your body. How you're feeling this morning. Is there any stress in you? Any tension? Be aware of your breathing and take some deep breaths in and out. Feel that air filling your lungs. Feel your whole body relaxing. Then in your mind, imagine a place that you love, a peaceful place. It could be somewhere real or somewhere in your imagination. Maybe in a wood, in a field, by a river, in a comfortable chair, on a bench. Just imagine yourself in that place. And are you, are you sitting or are you walking or kneeling in that place? Maybe some other posture. Then listen to the psalmist's words. Listen to God's words. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. And know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. 
And in the silence now, if your mind begins to interrupt the quiet, just use those words. Shh, be still. And we're going to leave that place now where you have been, that lovely place. So in your mind's eye, get up from that place and close the time in your, in your heart with a gentle amen or a thank you. And then return to the room and to us. I think as, as um, I close now, um, the one thing I'd like, I guess I'd like just to finish with, is that this is the place that God beckons us to. It's not a strange prayer practice or something that some people do and some people don't. The quiet place, however you go there, however you enter it, is, is a place that God wants us to be. Maybe return to that Psalm 131, the, the child snuggled into the mother, into the father, if that's a better image for you, whichever image you prefer. A place of, of safety, of quiet, and of being loved. This morning, I think that's God's main message. Be still, be loved. <laughs>